I'm Afshin Ratanti and welcome back to Going Underground, broadcasting all around the world from Dubai in the UAE. Millions of Ukrainians have fled to NATO nations because of the NATO proxy war with Russia. But what about the millions displaced because of US-led invasions in countries like Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya and Syria, or interventions in Central and Latin America? Ongoing underground recently, a former advisor to US authorities argued for more militarization of the border, characterizing the frontier between Mexico and the USA as the greatest border crisis in US history. But Todd Miller takes a different approach following the money. The author of Build Bridges, Not Walls, A Journey to a World Without borders joins me now from Tucson Arizona Todd thanks so much for uh, coming on as I was saying it was Todd Benzman he came on the show and I did try he's testified in Congress about immigration he claimed the US uh, doesn't need that many more immigrants sort of but he certainly said look uh, you know it's the it's the law that's what that's what those who want less immigration are talking about. It's just the law and uh, the fact we the United States needs more or fewer immigrants is by the by. All these illegal immigrants are coming and this is the biggest crisis. What do you think? When I hear the, those sorts of sentiments and statements, I, I immediately think to, you know, there's in the United States, there's pretty powerful forces that are for... Uh, more border fortification, more and very, and you know, I guess the the term to use is anti-immigrant, right? The 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 or against the idea of more people crossing into the United States, and those those sorts of arguments, the argument that you just laid out is is definitely straight coming straight from that. That's what I immediately think of when I when I hear those sorts of arguments. It's but you'd agree with like, them in saying that, that it is the worst border crisis in US border crisis in US history, just from a different perspective. Um, though I, I hesitate to use the word crisis. The, the word crisis is used quite a bit with a border. It's almost become a little bit cliche to, to say the least. The way that the, the word crisis is used is so often used, oh, there's people just coming over the border and it's a chaotic and it's and and uh um we have to put the fist down but the, if i were to argue it was a crisis my the 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 perspective that i would take would be of that of looking at it from the, another angle it's more of a crisis you could say of militarization a crisis of um a place that looks unrecognizable really from what it did 25 years ago or 30 years ago if you're to follow the last three decades and how extensively the border has been fortified and militarized and that and really focusing on different cities and towns that are on the border and uh, building up walls and putting up towers and putting up border patrol stations. And there's some places on the border where you see more border patrol than you do local residents, right? And then the kind of consequences you see and the consequences um, are, there are many consequences, but I could name two really important ones. One is the the kind of strategy that the these the the border the militarization of the border how it's been deployed the strategy has been through what's called prevention through deterrence and not to go into this too long but the whole idea simply is to fortify certain areas of the border which then force people to circumvent and go through places like the arizona desert and i live in arizona and every year and this year is no exception people crossing the border die 
um, because they can't carry enough water or enough food. And the other part of it is local residents. You go and talk to local residents in Arizona and um, go to El Paso, go to the borderlands of New Mexico, go to the borderlands of California, and you will hear people complaining about border patrol checkpoints. You'll hear people um, talking about um, home invasions, uh, people, the border patrol coming into their homes. Yeah, I want I want to get to a particularly awful episode in South Arizona. I know you're in Arizona in a moment, and I want to get to uh, some denials of that from the U.S. Uh, administration, from Joe Biden, and uh, from the administrators there. Uh, I have to see, say this on Going Underground quite a bit lately, given that tens of billions of dollars of U.S. public money is going to fund uh, weapons sent to Ukraine, and we're not giving investment advice here. But uh, if anyone were to read your many books on the border, clearly there are particular com companies, defense companies, arms companies, making masses of money out of this border, in inverted commas, border crisis. Uh, which companies are the ones uh, people should invest in? No which are obviously <laughs> making a lot of money out of this. And what they say arguably is echoed through mainstream media, think tanks, policymakers, and uh, academic institutions. Yeah, that's a sad thing. We could, I could give some investment advice right here because uh, the border um, industry is a growing industry. It's been a growing industry, particularly since 9-11, particularly since 2001. Um, I have written, helped write reports looking at the different companies that have been, that are the top um, profiteers of, of the, the top contractors, we should say, that are getting um, uh, on the, on the U.S.-Mexico border particularly. But I want to stress that these contractors are, you know, not only on this, on the U.S.-Mexico border, but uh, around the world in different border areas. But some of them are, are names that probably your viewers will find familiar, like Lockheed Martin has one of uh, a very big uh, contract working with uh, fixed wing aircraft of the U.S. Border Patrol. You have Northrop Grumman, which is another big military contractor um, who this company has gotten contracts around biometrics. They're, they're developing a new biometric system known as HART. And that's the future when you're looking at that sort of thing. You're looking at iris uh, recognition, facial recognition, um, you know, those sort of advanced databases that, you know, store people's information, uh, that sort of thing. And, the, and those are just two companies. There's lots of different companies. There's company, there's smaller companies that-, that Okay, well, I mean, obviously, obviously they'd all say they abide by the uh, Fourth Amendment of the US Constitution. And uh, all of them would say they're merely trying to make things uh, safer to enforce US law. And US Customs and Border Protection says, guided by the highest ethical and moral principles and exhibiting the highest level of professional responsibility, CP, CBP, the Customs and Border Protection Force employees, strive every day to maintain the public trust and instill the confidence of the communities we serve and protect. That's what they say. That's a great public, that's a great public relations line. I'm sure that's, you know, that... That's um, exactly what you would expect to hear from Customs and Border Protection. You wouldn't expect them to talk about, you know, the different sorts of things that go on the border, the people dying coming across the border. But those that, of course, that's 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 
the the line that that we often receive directly from Customs and Border Protection. But I want to say that that sort of line goes way beyond that. It's in Washington as well. Like, like you can see it embedded in terminology used around the border, like border security. Border security is a term that's used very often, yet it's a word that if you start to unpack it and see what it really means and see does does this border fortification, tremendous border fortification, create security for people, no, definitely not for people crossing the border, since the deterrence policy is about people being put into more insecure or even mortal situations, um, and definitely not necessarily secure for people living along the border who who are complaining more and more of increased border patrol presence. So what is the word security? What is this border security? I think there were there are questions that that need to be asked about how the sort of public relations line is, the sort of terminology that goes unquestioned and unpacked. And then subsequently the need to then unpack that terminology. Let's see what this border security thing is. Let's see what kind of impacts it has on people. Let's look at the money. Like the the knowledge of the money that's put into the border is nil. Like when I've talked about this for years and years and years around the, the United States, it's, it's amazing how few people actually know the, the 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 dramatic increases of the budgets put towards the border. Okay, well, it's not um, at, uh, it's not a two trillion level of Afghanistan's uh, the war in Afghanistan no. yet, <laughs> no, arguably. But I suppose what and perhaps Afghanistan withdrawal meant that some corporations thought this was a way of uh, uh, importing profits back to the homeland after the the defeat of uh, the United States in Afghanistan. But given immigrants disproportionately want to work. Why would corporations be lobbying on K Street against more immigrants? I mean, clearly the defense contractors have an interest in this border myth, I suppose you might put it, uh, and uh, use that to be able to profiteer by all this border infrastructure. But generally, surely corporations would be saying we want more immigrants because they need desperately workers to fill all the uh, vacant uh, uh, jobs um, in the United States. Sure. Yeah. So you'll so you will find. Well, on one hand, the lobbying, like when a homeland security budget comes up, you will see all these contractors. They'll go in behind closed doors. They're lobbying, you know, all the key people, the appropriations committees, and that sort of thing. But if, on the other hand, you know, you see, like, if you look at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, or you look at other, you know, sectors um, with interests, you know, you'll 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 see lobbying for more of a comprehensive immigration reform that would include, you know, bringing in more people. Because corporations depend jobs. on illegal immigration right now, right? U.S. corporations. Right. Yeah, so you... I mean, yeah, some of them might be might go under if they weren't illegal immigration. Hey, that could very well happen. Um, the, the state of Alabama, when they put out that law, maybe it was 10 years ago, it was a sort of, you know, papers please law in which they were going to um, go after all undocumented people in there in the state. And it, and um, there's some really good reporting of what happened after everyone left, like uh, lots of um, undocumented workers left the state of Alabama and the sort of state it left the agribusiness and agri-industry in Alabama during that time. 
And I mean, has Joe Biden been worse? $25 billion giveaway of public funds to enforce the border, as they, uh, as they call it, the largest uh, ever, uh, versus Trump, who's still every... Uh, I mean, if he's allowed to run, uh, given the uh, uh, U.S. authorities attacking uh, your leading opposition leader in the United States, um, was, is Biden worse than Trump as regards the treatment of those uh, seeking a better life and seeking asylum? Well, it's, it's right. I mean, the, the budget for 2023 was actually 29 billion, 29 billion. If you look at Customs and Border Protection and Immigration and Customs Enforcement, which the, the jump from approximately 25 to 26 billion um, to 29 billion was almost the amount that Trump spent in his full, full the, the, the increase during the full four years of the Trump administration. So looking um, at budgets, like you look at rhetoric, like I like to, as a journalist, I like to look at there's rhetoric and then there's hard numbers and budgets and what's really happening. And if you look at what's been going on with the Biden administration, the budgets are increasing. They're not taking down, they're not taking down, even with all the critique of the, the big wall that Trump was building during his administration, they're not taking down that wall. In fact, they, they, we, I, I work for um, an outlet called the Border Chronicle. We put out a piece looking at how the Biden administration is actually, quote unquote, filling in the gaps of the wall. In other words, continuing to build the wall. But not only that, they've, 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 uh, um, uh, they're looking at more, putting more tech, technology, surveillance technology on the border. And you can see the kind of increases of budget and this kind of uh, creation of a virtual or technological border that's happening under Biden. So it's it's instead of the heavy rhetoric, the we're going to stop people from crossing the border, that sort of thing that you got under Trump with, with this building of this wall. Um, with Biden, you have a lot less of that sort of rhetoric, anti-immigrant rhetoric, much more, they're much more quiet about it. There's much more of a humanitarian language in which it's narrated, yet at the same time, the same exact border enforcement apparatus is in place. And in fact, it's getting bolstered and bigger and the same sort of impacts are happening on people crossing the border and people living in the borderlands. So what is the difference, right? Well, Todd Miller, I'll tell you what Biden says in part two. I'll stop you there. More from the co-host of the Border Chronicle podcast and author of Bill Bridges, Not Walls, after this break. Welcome back to Going Underground. I'm still here with the co-host of the Border Chronicle podcast and author of Build Bridges, Not Walls, A Journey to a World Without Borders, Todd Miller. Todd, you were saying uh, in part one that uh, Biden is uh, maybe worse than Trump when it comes to the pain and, and misery of the immigration uh, situation on your southern borders. Biden said... Uh, in January this year, I sent Congress a comprehensive piece of legislation that would completely overhaul uh, what has been a broken immigration system for a long time, cracking down on illegal immigration, strengthening legal immigration. And then he slagged off the uh, GOP for uh, not helping him out on his big plans. I mean, that's what, that's what he says. And, and, you know, he even says, uh, people come to America for a whole lot of reasons to seek new opportunity in what is the strongest economy in the world. Can't blame them wanting to do it. They flee oppression. 
there's, there's the great Joe Biden running for 2024's uh, nomination at the primaries. Well, that's good campaign something, right? That's what it sounds like to me. How do you square those? Um, yeah, you don't. I mean, you probably could go back and um, have go back to 2016 and hear Hillary Clinton say the same thing when she was running or Barack Obama saying, I mean, not exactly the same thing, but it's but it's very similar things like we are going to bolster legal immigration and and cut down on illegal immigration and you know those those sorts of really the the same thing that just spins or the same sort of sentences that spin around and in a circle and they just keep being repeated and repeated as 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 yet again the budgets just keep going getting higher and higher and higher um and and uh it it helps biden out you know considerably that trump was right before him because the kind of media scrutiny that he's going to get on the border is considerably less given the scrutiny that Trump got. But nothing really fundamentally has changed, except for I do want to say one thing that differentiates by a Biden from a Trump in a, in a fairly major way is the rhetoric and the way that the rhetoric can um fan the flames of, you know, different sort of groups or different constituencies. Um, particularly we on the U.S.-Mexico border, we have a problem with militia groups that will go down and patrol the border on their own. So in, in other years. words, we can expect far-right militias to increase if Trump is re-elected uh, president and, and Biden loses, arguably. But then given that the media representations, well, if they're corporate-owned, obviously they they get their funds, uh, perhaps through a network that involves some of these uh, military companies. But given the connection then between the sources of the immigration, as he said, as Biden said, they flee oppression. And we know he was, Biden was vice president during the interventions in Haiti, Libya, so on under Obama. Do you think it should be priced in when they do the interventions? I mean, the media should say, as they cheerlead the wars, should say, obviously there will be this extra cost given the immigrants that will then come from Afghanistan, Libya, Iraq, Syria, I mean, going back further than Haiti and Venezuela to uh, El Salvador, Nicaragua, you name it. Oh, they they don't matter. It's, it's interesting to look at how the media depicts people coming to the border, and I'm talking mainly, you know, the corporate media, uh, it's it, it's almost as if people come out of a complete vacuum, like nothing has happened before that for them to arrive at the U United States border, and um and just thinking of of just what you were mentioning, you know the the endless interventions that the United States has had, military interventions throughout Latin America over the centuries, military interventions, and I would argue economic ones as well and this sort of economic um neoliberal economic model that's been kind of strangleholded or clamped upon um places like Guatemala and El Salvador and Dominican Republic and you name it and where US companies that will go and get use cheap labor in different places around Latin America and the Caribbean those sorts of that sort of quote unquote invasion right this this sort of how companies can cross borders, how militaries also can cross borders, um, start wars 
to people, go and pay people miserable rate wages, take over land, take over people's water sources, um, not to mention the climate aspects, which we could talk about as well. If you're a journalist in the newsroom covering the border crisis, as, as it's called, uh, it, it's, it'll no doubt as we approach the 2024 election, uh, as we get closer to it, we're going to hear more and more about the border. I mean, surely they know that. The journalists know. I mean, I know that a lot of them just go, oh, it's a dictator in Latin America. That's why they're fleeing them. But they also know all of these other ideas and the historical ideas behind it, don't they? Uh, as to why uh, there are hundreds of thousands of people going across oh, the Mexico border. There are some. Every day. It's, ama it's every amazing how, how often, like, there's a certain amount of talking points that are regurgitated. Um, like in Central America, it's violence, right? You just say, oh, there's violence in Central America. Oh, the gang problem. And that's, and it's left at that. And then that leaves no sort of ability to look, to analyze the situation from a perspective of US foreign policy, which in my view needs to happen. So it's a win-win for these defense arms companies because they can uh, involve themselves in interventions, in. Uh, setting up governments in Latin America, and then they win profits from the refugees fleeing the misery and violence at the other end. Uh, I, tell me about this Tohono O'odham tribe, because in South Arizona, uh, there's horrific uh, body cam footage. He was shot, Ray Matia, shot on the 18th of May. A tribal, a member of the uh, Tohono O'odham tribe, shot by the Customs of Border Protection Police. I mean, away from that actual case, what, what, how emblematic is it of uh, the whole idea of the idea of a border? In any case, the fact that tribal Native Americans are being shot by border police really in their own country in the United States. Yeah, that, I mean, it reminds me immediately of Reese Jones, who's a geographer's book called Violent Borders, where he is the book is about how borders implicit in borders are violence and that the case of Raymond Matias on the on autumn nation and, and the, which is located actually in southern Arizona it's the size of the state of Connecticut if anyone is wondering how big it was um and it borders on Mexico but you should keep in mind that the ancestral land of the Tonawatan go deep into Mexico um so it's a, the border crossed them and and was imposed upon the autumn this, the, what happened with Raymond Matias is one of the worst cases that... that because I've we have the body cam footage on, to be able to see it. Right. And, uh, you know, what we hear about internationally is our wonderful uh, multi-cultural uh, uh, consciousnesses in the United States under the Joe Biden administration celebrating diversity of these Native Americans and, you know, completely separate to what... Uh, anyone would say as regards emblematic killings uh, by uh, border forces. How does the military cultural industrial complex play into all of this, whether it be Hollywood and uh, cultural ideas that are exported internationally saying, come here because look, everyone's free and wonderful uh, with wonderful standards of living in the United States versus also this, this United States that has these tribes because it, you know, people won't have heard of the Tohono O'odham tribe in South Arizona, which you say is so big in terms of what land they lost. Yeah, it's 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 big because the the way that the border is depicted culturally often away from the border is almost as if as if it's empty space or that nobody lives there 
or it's just a place where people are crossing, or it's a place where there's just violence happening just because it's there. And the uh, the fact that, you know, indigenous people live along the border, of course they do. Like the 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 border the border itself was a colonial process. The the imposition of the border was it, it crossed many indigenous territories, including the Tana Atum. But it, basically, uh, this won't be in the run up to the twenty twenty four election. What's be being discussed? The issue of the concept of the U.S. southern border. It'll be how to keep immigrants out, presumably. That's what, I mean, that's what it's trending towards. It doesn't seem like the the Biden administration rhetorically, when they, f- they first took office, they were very much about, oh, we're going to stop this. We're going to do this. We're going to stop build. We won't build one more foot of wall. And while some like some different different little pol- policies have been shifted, it's almost the same. And And the rhetoric has now shifted to we're going to abandon the, what Trump was doing to more of, it seems like the Biden administration is responding to this idea that that they think that the public's going to want more border fortification and will probably take, you know, that sort of line, which, which will imply the kind of status quo of the border, um, which means we keep bolstering it, which means the same companies we were talking about will still be getting their contracts, which means we'll be heading towards even more technological borders um, with surveillance cameras and drones. And they're talking about UGVs, which are unmanned ground vehicles um, and the biometric systems that those sorts of the, the like having facial recognition cameras attached to drones or uh, unmanned uh, aerial vehicles, so the ones that fly, um, are in the works, or at least they're they're experimenting with them. And so I can just see that, you know, as we go into 2024, I don't see any sort of radical <laughs> shift of, like, a Biden administration saying, we're going to do something drastically different on the border. I hope I'm wrong about that. I hope there's more pressure for them to reconsider some of their positions. But practically speaking, that's what I think, that's where I think they will go. Todd Miller, thank you. That's it for the show. Remember, we're bringing you new episodes every Saturday and Monday. Until then, you can keep in touch via all our social media. If it's not censored in your country, and head to our channel, Going Underground TV on Rumble.com to watch new and old episodes of Going Underground. See you soon.